ask you. Tonight, what we're going to talk about is calling upon the name of the Lord and what we can expect when we call upon his name. Right there, that song basically was my message, but we'll go ahead and look at some scriptures because when we call upon him, he answers and he does come to our rescue. He brings, he gives to us whatever we need. If we need healing, we call upon the healer. If we need finances, we call upon Jehovah Jireh, our great provider, whatever we need. He is that. He is Able to meet every one of our needs. So we're going to start out tonight with God's telephone number. Have you ever heard that? Jeremiah 33.3. (laughs) Maybe that's just an old. I'm not that old, but I've heard that since I was a little girl. That this is God's telephone number. Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will do what? I will do what? I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Simple definition of prayer is call upon the name of the Lord. The response is what? Now we're quick, we're sharp, we're bright, we're here tonight, right? It's right there. This is an open book test. (laughs) Call to me, I will. Hallelujah. I was thinking about it today that when we call on the Lord, I'm so glad we don't get a voicemail. We don't get a busy signal. For those of you that are my age, you know what a busy signal is. You don't even get that anymore. (laughs) Ever. You usually call and you get a voicemail, you get something, but we don't get a busy signal. We don't get a little message that says, I'm sorry, the throne room is now closed. You've called after business hours. Please call again in the morning. Or we don't get an answering service that says, uh, hello, this is so-and-so, but no, I'm not God. And no, I can't help you, but I'll take a message. No, we get an answer and you know the father he's really high tech he probably has caller id (laughs) but i'm so glad when he sees my name pop up on caller id that he says to the holy ghost don't answer it (laughs) she always has a long list i'll be on the phone for at least a half an hour so don't answer it holy ghost aren't you glad That if he does have caller D, and he probably does, he says, doesn't say, don't answer it. I call. He answers. And he comes to my rescue. Every single time that we call. 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. Billions of people on the face of the earth. And our God is so big and our God is so loving that every human being that exists all at the same time could be going, God, I need you. There wouldn't be any kind of jam on the phone line system in heaven. There wouldn't be any blinking lights. 
There wouldn't be any overload. He's God. He loves us all. He can answer all of our prayers at the same time. I love this scripture over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. How many of you in here tonight are the righteousness of God? Hmm. Not every hand went up. You need to know that you're the righteousness of God. Righteousness of God simply means that we are in right standing with God. Not of our own merit. Not of works lest any man should boast are we born again. How did we become the righteousness of God? Through believing in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through declaring that we are lost without Him. Asking Him into our heart. Cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Guess what happens when you're born again? You're put in right standing with God. Given access to the throne room of grace. Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it's verse 12 says, Come boldly unto the throne room of grace. That's how we can come. Because we are righteous. And this verse says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And, I like that and there, and his ears are open unto our prayers. Tonight we're talking about Call unto me, and I will answer you. Have you ever heard the term, that person is just turning a deaf ear to what I'm saying? Have you ever poured your heart out to somebody, and afterwards you said, so what did you think, huh? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> they weren't even paying a bit of attention to what you said. God will never do that to you. Pastor and I, we were just down and y'all know in Living Land, we flew home Thursday night and we were sitting at the Orange County Airport waiting to get on Southwest Airlines. And there was this guy right across from us. And Pastor pointed him out. He had a cell phone to his ear, but he was... He was sleeping, wasn't he? And every once in a while he'd say, Oh... Then he'd say, hmm. Then he just. I mean, he was sound asleep. And pastor, I don't know why he thought this, but he goes, he must be talking to his wife. (laughs) That's not a good thing. I'm thinking, man, if she had one of those phones that she could see him now, this dude would be in serious trouble. She's probably trying to catch him up on everything that's happened with the kids while he was gone and all of this. And he's, he was asleep. And he would just wake up every once in a while. Oh, hmm. The sad thing was she was probably talking 100 miles a minute and didn't realize he wasn't listening. But I'm so glad that our Father God isn't like that. No matter how fast we talk, No matter how much we have to say, he catches it all. 
He's got it all. He doesn't ever turn a deaf ear to what we're saying. He sees. He hears. He knows. He listens to the cry of our heart. And he answers. I called. He answered. Oh, that just sends a thrill to my heart. I was just meditating on that this afternoon. Now look again back there at Jeremiah 33.3. We hopped around a little bit. But the rest of that says, Call to me, I will answer you and do something else. He's going to answer us. And how is he going to answer us? He's going to answer us in style. He's going to answer us by showing us something. Showing us great and mighty things which we do not know. Did you know that our God is big? Our God is great. Our God is strong. Our God is powerful. Did you know that his ways are higher than our ways? Hallelujah. He's got ways. He's got means to rescue you. Got ways. Got means to answer you that you couldn't even think of. Brings to mind that scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 in the Amplified. It says when we pray that he does exceedingly, abundantly, over and above our highest prayer, our highest thought, our highest dream. That's who our God is. He is an exceedingly, abundantly, over and above kind of God. That says to me, when I call on him, he's going to show me great and mighty things. That's how he rescues us. With not his hand is not shortened. Our God is a mighty God. His hand is a delivering God. His hand is a rescuing God. Hallelujah. Strong and mighty. We want to look tonight at a couple of biblical examples of how God delivered people in a great way. Over in... Um, We'll look over there in a minute in Exodus chapter 2. But let me just give you the background here. This whole chapter is dealing with the children of Israel. You know they were in bondage for over 400 years. And the time of their deliverance was at hand. And there was a stirring in their hearts that it's time for us to get out of this land. And to go unto our promised land. Now let's look in verse 23 of Exodus chapter 2. It's good if you want to read this whole count through, but we'll just pick out a few verses here. Exodus chapter 2 verse 23. I'll get this in my Bible here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your rescuing power. Verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and then listen to this part and they cried out and their cry what happened to that cry it came up to God because of the bondage so God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel and God Acknowledge them. It says here, their cry 
came up to God. He heard the cry of their heart, the desperation of their heart. He heard that they were saying, we've had enough. They'd been in bondage. They'd been slaves for 400 years. But it wasn't until they said, we've had it. We don't want this lifestyle anymore. We don't want to live like this anymore. We don't want to be slaves to these Egyptians anymore. It wasn't until they said, I've had enough and began to cry out to God for deliverance. It wasn't until then that he could do something. You know what? Whatever situation you may be in, God loves you. God wants to bring you out. God wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free. But if you're going to put up with it, he's going to put up with it. God is not the kind of God that just comes in and does things against our will. He gave human being the most powerful thing that no other creature in the universe has. And that is a will. We decide whether we want to serve the Lord. We decide whether we're going to believe the word. And we are the ones that decide, I want to be free. You can be bound as long as you want to be bound. I remember this story, a minister years ago, he had a daughter that had, it was like warts all over her body. And he'd been praying and like, oh God, heal my daughter, heal my daughter. He's just, you know, like that. And one night the Lord said to him, how long are you going to put up with those warts on your daughter's body? He'd been crying. He'd been begging. But all of a sudden the Lord was teaching him, you got to rise up and say no more. You got to rise up and take your authority. So he changed his way of thinking and he rebuked them in the name of Jesus under that authority of the word of God and the name that is above every name and the the warts disappeared. So that comes to me right now with the children of Israel. It was how long do you want to stay a slave? How long do you want to put up with lack? How long do you want to put up with that sickness and disease? It wasn't until they said, God, deliver us. God came on the scene. Got a question for you. Have you had enough yet of being defeated? If so, call on the name of the Lord. Then I found it interesting here in that one verse that it says he heard their groanings in verse 24. Today, as I was looking at that, you know, the word groaning literally means an utterance too deep to for words, an utterance too deep to express in our known language. So they had reached a point. That they probably didn't even have words. They were just groaning under the agony of this slavery. But God understood what was in 
their heart. So I did, I'm not saying that we just go before the presence of God and just weep and cry. But folks, there is a time when we need to bow before God. And there is a time to just let the tears flow. It's not that we get all emotional and it's not a cry of desperation. It's not a cry of self-pity. But sometimes there are things so deep in your heart, you can't express it with words. Thank God that we can pray in tongues. We have the help of the Holy Ghost. But I know myself, there's been times I've just laid before God and all that would come out of me as a groaning. All that would come out of me was a, a weeping, particularly if you're praying for the lost. So there is a place for that. And God understands that when it's coming from our spirit, it's not something that we manufacture with our emotions. He heard their groaning. Now let's look at verse. Let us look. Actually, let's flip over to Psalms 34. Keep your finger there in Exodus, but Psalms 34, 15, it says it's a little bit different than first Peter did. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his, his ears are open to their cry. In first Peter three, it said his ears are open to their prayers. This says his ears are open to their cry. The spirit of prayer moves on us in different ways, in different fashions. So I'm just encouraging you. Know what's in your heart and express your heart unto the Lord. Cry out to him. Call upon his name from your spirit and you will get results. Amen. Now let's go on down here. In Exodus chapter 3, God finds Moses on the backside of the desert. He's heard the cry of the people come up to him. And now this cry came up and now God is going to come down and deliver them. So he has this dialogue with Moses about taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then he tells Moses what is going on in verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. The cry went up. And what did God do in verse 8? So I have come down. We're in Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. So I have come down. Their cry went up and God, God came down. Look at the first line of that. I love that. I am come down. And why did he come down? He came down to deliver them. Hallelujah. And the fact that I am came down is powerful because in this same chapter, he goes on later and he's having this dialogue with Moses and he's saying, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And we know Moses feels inadequate. I can't go and I don't, I can't speak and all of this stuff. And who am I going to tell him that has sent me? And God said, you tell them I am 
has sent you. And if you read that whole story, it's interesting to me that Pharaoh didn't even ask him when he said, I am that I am has sent me. Pharaoh knew who he's talking about. There's only one I am. There's only one I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's that same I am that came down to deliver them. It's the same I am that will come down to deliver you. Hallelujah. I am that I am. That's all you need to know. He is all you will ever need. You don't need anything else. If you've got God, you and God are a majority. Hallelujah. I am. Come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And then it goes on to say there in verse 8 again. And... To bring them up from the land to a good and a large land. A land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hebatites, the Jebusites, all them ites. But let's stay with the anointing. (laughs) He came down to deliver them out of the hand. And then look at that next phrase. And... To bring them up. You know what Jesus did? The Bible says over in Colossians when we get born again. That we are translated out of the kingdom of darkness. This is a good symbolism of salvation. Moses took them. God took them out of Egypt. But that wasn't enough just to get out of slavery. They had to go in to their promised land. And that's why the Bible says when we get born again, we're translated out of the kingdom of darkness. But we are then translated into the kingdom of his dear son. He brought you out to bring you in. Woo, hallelujah. He brought you out of all the bondage of the devil. But he didn't just leave you there. He didn't just bring you out. He's got a place to bring you into. Woo, your wealthy place, your healing place, your delivered place, your promised land. Hallelujah. The land that flows with milk and honey. That's the kind of God we serve. Woo. Brought me out to bring me in. Woohoohoo. I'm in my place. I'm in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In my promised land. Woo, hallelujah. I called. He answered. He rescued me. He brought me out and he put me into. He lifted me up. Glory be to God. Anytime it says that God, their prayers went up. God came down. And what does he do when he comes down? He lifts us up. He's not the God that pushes us down. He's not the God that suppresses and oppresses people. Hallelujah. What does he reach down to us with? With his love. Love lifted me. Hallelujah. Woo. I was sinking deep in sand. Far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply 
stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master heard my cry. Woo-hoo! Yeah. And what did he do? He rescued me. I said, go, heard my cry. And the master heard my despair. He heard my cry. I know that's a line there. And he rescued me and he lifted me up. Love lifted me. Hallelujah. Ingrid, you should know that. (laughs) Woo! Glory be to God. Now let's turn over and let's look at another example in Habakkuk chapter 3. Oh, I like this one. We'll give you some time to find that guy. Little, he's one of them little minor prophets, but ooh, he's a powerful one. Habakkuk chapter 3. I want to look at this first verse of Habakkuk chapter 3 in the Amplified. <laughs> this reminds us of us here. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, set to wild, woo! Enthusiastic. Triumphal music. Woo-hoo-hoo. Sounds exactly like one of my prayer meetings. I like this guy. A prayer of Habakkuk. He's calling on the name of the Lord and he's calling wildly. He's calling with enthusiasm. Hallelujah. And then he wraps it up with triumphant music. Woo. Hallelujah. Now that's a prayer meeting. Hallelujah. And guess what happened? Look at verse 2. And God liked it. God didn't say, you're in church. Keep it down. Little too wild there, Habakkuk. Tone it down. No, he's calling on the Lord from his heart. And this is what happened. Oh, Lord, this is his prayer. Oh, Lord, I have heard the report of you and I was afraid. Oh, Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make yourself known. In wrath, earnestly remember love, pity, and mercy. The thing that was coming out of his heart was this. God, revive your works in the midst of your people. God, make yourself known. No. Do you think that our nation needs to see God? Unfortunately, there's a lot of churches that need to see God. That need to know Him. Know His power. Know His glory. Know His grace. Habakkuk saw that the people of God had turned from the Lord. They were in a backslidden condition. That's why he was wild. That's why he was getting after it with all of his might. And he was saying, oh God, revive your people. We need revival. God, they've forgotten who you are. God, they don't know you anymore as a delivering God, as a God that has brought them out of bondage. God, they're looking to other gods. Make yourself known that your people will once again know you are the most high God. God, revive your people. That's our heart cry today. Pastor's been teaching so excellently, excellently on revival. The church 
needs revival. This prayer could very easily be prayed today. God, make yourself known. Oh, there's so many voices in the land. There's so many false gods. There's so many things that have taken that place due to you. And not just out in the world, but in the church. There's so many whose hearts, they're loyal to other things. In their hearts, other things have taken that first place. Oh God, make yourself known. Let the people of God realize all their trust, their hope, their faith, their confidence must be in you. Not in the hand of a man. Not in government. Not in politics. Not in the economy of this age. But oh God. Let it be known. In your church. You. And you alone are God. You are the most high God. Woo. When I pray that I get wild about it. Because it makes me angry. And how the devil has gotten an inroad into our nation and into churches around our nation. They're dead. We serve a living God. Make yourself known, oh Father, and revive your people that they may know, that they may know, that they may return to their first love. Many definitions of the word revival. But listen to this one of revive. To bring back to life. To resuscitate. Woo! That one jumped off of the page at me. To resuscitate. To impart with new health vigor. To restore to use. To restore to vitality or effectiveness. To return to an operative condition. Restore your people to usefulness. Restore your people to life. That they may serve you once again with vim and vigor. Habakkuk was praying for God's people to be revived. First of all, to return to their love for him. Did you know if people love the Lord our God with all of their heart, with all of their might, with all of their soul, they're going to serve him. They're going to want to come to church. They're just by virtue of the fact that they're in love with Jesus. They're going to be a witness. That's all it's required. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart. And when you do, others will know it. When you do, you ought to show it. And you will show it. Revival. It's for the church. New life imparted. Return to effectiveness. A state of usefulness. And in that one, resuscitate. What does resuscitate mean? It means to bring back to life 
something that is in danger of dying. And sometimes something has already died. Is that right? It's already died and they have to resuscitate it. Bring it back to life. There are some people in the body of Christ and there are some churches that are on their last breath. But oh God, revive thy church. Revive thy works. And what I hear, what I sense in the realm of the spirit. That God by the Holy Spirit is resuscitating us. His church. He is breathing fresh air. Person can't be resuscitated unless they've been given some oxygen. They've been given some air. That's what needs to happen in the church. Breathe, oh God, into your church. Fresh air. That we may be revived. That we will not be dead. That we will not serve dead gods. But that we will arise and be alive and serve you, our living God. When we're revived, we're going to be an effective witness. We'll be carriers of his power, his love, and his joy. Now let's look down here at verse 3. Can you handle just a little bit more? Hallelujah. Where did we leave off with? Verse 2. Now look at verse 3. He's cried out. He's prayed a wild prayer from his heart. We looked at it in Exodus. The people cried. And what happened? God answered. It says it like this. He prayed. Verse 3. God came. I want to just center in on that. God came came. God heard. God answered. God showed up. And when God showed up, look at this. And the Holy One from Mount Paran Selah, when God came, his glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. That's our prayer. God, revive thy work. God, hear our hearts cry. We're crying out for you, O oh God, to show yourself strong in our midst. What do we have that is promised? God will come and his glory will cover the earth. His praise will fill the earth. Why is that connected? When God shows up with glory, which is his manifest presence, heavy and weighty with everything good. When God shows up with his glory, the earth will be full of his praises. Because when God shows up, The glory of the Lord covering the earth like the waters cover the sea. God never shows up anywhere broke. God never shows up anywhere sick. 
God never shows up anywhere with any kind of insufficiency. Whenever God comes and His glory fills the heavens and His glory covers the earth, Wherever his glory is welcomed, wherever his glory is invited, his glory comes in, people are healed, people are delivered, people are set free. Woo, hallelujah. One definition of glory is even commerce. The first reference to glory in Genesis had to do with money. So when God shows up, With glory, he shows up with provision. Hallelujah. Woo! That's why the heavens and the earth will be filled with his praises for what he is doing in our midst. We can't help but praise him. When we see the lame walk, when we see the deaf ears open, hallelujah. Woo! Don't you think we're going to praise him? We got something to praise him about right now. Got a little ahead of myself, but that is explained here in verse 4. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand. And there his power was hidden. Oh, my, my, my. And they amplified that verse 4 says, And his brightness was like the sunlight. Rays streamed from his hand. And there in the sunlight splendor was the hiding place of his power. Habakkuk was prophesying about Jesus. That the son of righteousness would arise with healing in his wings that the glory of God would be in manifestation Jesus is a glory of God manifest in the flesh when he walked here on the earth he was the presence of God and now that he's seated at the right hand of the father the glory of the Lord is free to be wherever people invite him and when he comes there In the brightness, the brightness. I've heard people that have seen the glory. There's been times that I think I have seen it. It's been like a mist, but not to this degree that I've heard people describe where it's shining bright, the glory cloud. And in that glory, the sunlight, the hiding place of his power. Oh, there is a cause. There is a cause to call on the name of the Lord. Because we have his promise. I called. He came. He answered. And he came to my rescue. Got anything you need to call on the Lord about? You got his promise. Call according to the word of God. And he will hear. And he will answer. I want to close by telling you a story. I've told this before. It's just really is a wonderful example of how powerful prayer is. Do you believe that when you pray, tremendous power is being made available? This is a story about a missionary being protected. 
A young missionary on furlough told this incredible story while he was visiting his home church in Michigan. While serving at a small field hospital in Africa, every two weeks he traveled by bicycle through the jungle to a nearby city for supplies. This was a journey of two days, and it required camping overnight at the halfway point. On one of these journeys, he said, I arrived in the city where I planned to collect money from a bank, purchase medicines and supplies, and then begin my two-day journey back to the field hospital. Upon arrival in the city, I observed two men fighting, one of whom I had, had been seriously injured. So I treated him for his injuries with the supplies and at the same time talked to him about the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I traveled two days camping overnight and arrived at home without incident. Two weeks later, I repeated my journey. Upon arriving in the city, once again, I was approached by one of these young, by this young man I had treated. He told me that he had known that I carried money and medicines. He said, some friends and I followed you into the jungle, knowing that you would need to camp overnight. We planned to kill you and take your money and your medicines. But just as we were about to move into your camp, we saw that you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. At this, I laughed and said that I certainly was not. I was alone in the jungle. The young man pressed the point, however, and said, No, sir, I was not the only person to see, my, to see the guards. My five friends also saw them, and we all counted them. It was because of those 26 guards that we were afraid, and we left you alone. At this point in his sermon at his home church in Michigan, one of the men in the congregation jumped to his feet and interrupted the missionary. He asked if he could tell them the exact date when this had happened. The missionary told the congregation the date, and the man who had interrupted the story said this, On the night of your incident in Africa, it was morning here, and I was preparing to go play golf. I was about to putt when I felt the urge to pray for you. In fact, the urging of the Lord was so strong that I called men in this church to meet me here in the sanctuary so we could pray for you. Would all of those who met together with me that day please stand up? The missionary wasn't concerned with who they were. He was too busy counting how many men he saw. There were 26. Glory to God. I called. He answered. And he came to my rescue. God rescued that man in supernatural style. I don't know how it happened, but those 26 men that yielded to that spirit of prayer, God let those men in Africa that meant to do him harm see those guys Woo! and they saw them as armed warriors that's what you are in the realm of the spirit don't think for a moment you are a wimp you are a warrior hallelujah you got power and authority because you serve a mighty god let's all stand